Dear discouraged believer, your risen Lord never stops thinking of you, caring for you, feeling your sorrow, interceding for you, and guiding this world, this universe, right down to the very atoms toward your eternal advantage. I read that in a tweet this week, and I found it so encouraging, so I thought I would share it with y'all. I'm going to assume that sometimes you get discouraged and lose heart. I know I do. And when I read things like that, it encourages me. Sometimes I have to read it two or three times, though. In fact, it's hard to be discouraged when you are reminded of what God is up to. It's hard to be discouraged when you are reminded who God is and when you are reminded what his heart is like. And so let me encourage you again with some things that Jesus is up to this morning. If you're discouraged and you need to hear it a second time, let me remind you that Jesus never stops thinking of you. He's thinking of you right now. He is caring for you right now. He is feeling your sorrow right now. He is interceding for you right now. He is guiding this world, this universe, right down to the very atoms toward your eternal advantage. And he's doing it right now as I preach and as you listen. So, dear discouraged disciple, don't despair. Cheer up. Jesus is for you. Cheer up. We serve a risen Savior who conquered death and the grave. He is reigning and ruling from his throne right now. He is in control. Nothing happens that he has not decreed. He is never caught off guard. He is never shocked or surprised. There's never like that moment when George Bush was sitting. This is off. Why do I do this? I always go off the manuscript. This is a thought that just came to me. George Bush sitting in that elementary classroom, reading that book to those kids, and they come in and whisper into his ear, one of the towers has been hit. Okay? That never happens to Jesus, where an angel comes up and is like, oh, by the way, this is what's happening in Benji Magnus's life. Oh, my gosh. It never happens to Jesus. He is in control. He is never shocked. He's never surprised at anything that happens in his world. And when you swallow those truths whole, you will be able to say what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16. And you'll even be able to say it when you suffer. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're only going to be looking at one verse today because there's just so much truth in verse 16 that I felt that we should just pause here, kind of hover over this verse and squeeze it real good and kind of wring all of the goodness out of it. What does your risen Savior say to you today, discouraged disciple? Well, look at verse 16 and hear the words of Jesus. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4.16 is in the Bible because Jesus cares about you. He doesn't want you to lose heart. 
He doesn't want you to just kind of eke your way through life paralyzed by despair. In fact, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words so that he could speak to you about everything that's going on inside that little heart of yours today, right now. That's how much the Holy Spirit loves you. Now, notice how countercultural Paul is here. He puts together two phrases that don't seem like they would play nice with each other. We do not lose heart. And then he says, our outer self is wasting away. I mean, how is that possible? We don't lose heart, even though our outer self is wasting away. How can you not lose heart when your outer self, your body, is wasting away? How do you cheer up? When your body is slowly aging, wasting away, and dying. I mean, this is so countercultural and just runs opposite to conventional wisdom. It runs opposite to our culture, doesn't it? The answer, obviously, how you don't lose heart when your body is wasting away is the gospel. Paul does not lose heart because of the gospel. That's why Paul picks up this same phrase that he used back at the beginning of this chapter in 2 Corinthians 4.1 where he said, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. How can Paul say this? We've seen all the suffering he endured. He was whipped five times with 39 lashes. The Jews wouldn't go over 40, so they stopped at 39. Five times he received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned with rocks, and they left it. They thought he was dead. Three times he was shipwrecked, 24 hours drifting at sea, hungry, thirsty, often without food, often without clothes, in constant danger. You can read his diary in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So how in the world did Paul never lose heart? Because I lose heart like if, if, if the car messes up. I'm like, oh, life is over, you know. How did he do this and not lose heart? Well, first of all, understand that Paul is not saying that he never had a bad day. He's not saying that he never struggled with despair. Paul knows what it is like to be discouraged. He is not some superhero apostle who is always upbeat. He's not a fake. He's real. He already told us in 2 Corinthians 1.8 that he was really down in the dumps. Let me read it to you. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And so ministry was so hard for Paul during that one particular season of life that he just wanted to die. Have you ever been there? Have, has life ever been so hard and so overwhelming that you just wanted to throw in the towel? Well, I'm sure you have. And so when Paul says that he doesn't lose heart, he's not saying that he never gets depressed or discouraged. He's just like us. He's not saying he never gets down in the dumps. He does. He has those days. He has days where he just wants to quit. But when Paul says that he and his friends don't lose heart, he means that he is never knocked to the ground permanently so that he cannot recover. He already told us a few verses back that he is afflicted but not crushed. 
He is perplexed, but he's not driven to despair. He's persecuted, but he's not forsaken. He's struck down, but he's not destroyed. So what Paul means is that he never loses heart permanently. The verb translated here as we do not lose heart has the idea of weariness. In Luke 18, Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow so that the disciples would always pray and what? Not lose heart. Same word. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Same word. So it can mean to grow weary or to become discouraged. And throughout this letter, Paul lists plenty of reasons why he might lose heart and become discouraged. The constant threat of persecution. All the suffering that he was enduring and all the backstabbing by fellow Christians in the Corinthian church, those who were doubting his apostleship. He planted this church. He was there from the beginning. He knows these people. They're his friends and they're stabbing him in the back. Betrayal is painful. Betrayal in ministry is very painful. Plus, all the accusations by the super apostles, this group of false teachers who had invaded the Corinthian church, and all of that would cause most people to give up. But Paul does not lose heart. In spite of all the suffering and the sorrows of life and ministry, Paul is never left in a state of permanently having lost heart. In other words, discouragement never gets the last word. Paul always recovers. He rebounds. He gets recalibrated. Paul knows that there is an ebb and flow to the Christian life. There are ups and there are downs. He doesn't deny that. He is a realist. But Paul knows the power of the gospel and the ministry of the Holy Spirit will not allow him to be permanently paralyzed by despair. And haven't you seen this in your life? Christian, have you not had days where you just wanted to quit, where it felt like there's no hope? There's no hope. I don't don't see any way out of this. Haven't you had seasons in your life, not just days, not just a couple of weeks, but seasons of your life where it seemed like the dark clouds of despair that were hovering over your life would never, ever leave, that there would be no sunshine? We all have. But at some point, the Holy Spirit comes along and lifts us up and we see Jesus again. We behold his glory and our inner self is renewed again. So how does Paul not crumble and just quit? Answer, the glory of the gospel. As Paul mentioned earlier, we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and that keeps him from losing heart. We don't lose heart because we behold the glory of God. We don't lose heart because God shines the light of his glory in our hearts. If we stopped beholding the glory of the Lord, then yes, that will lead to despair. We'll lose heart, maybe for a season. Not permanently, but if we stop beholding the glory of the Lord, then we will lose heart. If Paul, if we look, if we look at and we remain focused on our circumstances, and we're always dwelling on our sufferings, if we're always dwelling on our sins, then yeah, we're gonna lose heart, aren't we? 
Not permanently, but at least for a season. If all we do is focus on what is happening in our country, guess what? We're going to lose heart, right? I don't care which side of the political spectrum you're on. If all you focus on is what's happening in our country, you are going to, do, to lose heart. Because nobody's happy, are they? Nobody's getting their way, are they? On either side. If all we do is focus on our sin, then you better believe it. We will lose heart and become discouraged. And discouragement is a terrible master. As Paul Tripp says, discouragement is natural, but you need to know it's not your friend and that it always makes a very bad master. Discouragement opens your heart to a lifestyle of complaint, and complaint opens your heart to accusation against God. The way to defeat the dangerous potential of complaint is not by silence, but by praise. The more your heart is filled with gratitude, the less room there is for complaint. The more you are given to worshiping God, the less you'll be tempted to accuse Him. That's why we have to be diligent to stare at and behold the glory of God so that we don't lose heart. If all we do is focus on our troubles and the accusations and the lies and the suffering and the drama, then yeah, there's a good chance that we'll burn out and lose heart. That's why we have to keep beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Especially... Because our bodies are slowly shutting down and wasting away, aren't they? Our bodies are wearing down minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and donut by donut. We are jars of clay. Our outer self is wasting away, so of course we're wearing down. We've already seen that. Paul said we're cracked, frail pots. But as Paul says in verse 16, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul is really just saying what he said earlier. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Even though we're wasting away every day. Because we have the treasure of the gospel in this old cracked clay pot, we are being renewed day by day. The word that Paul uses here for renewed is the same word that he uses in Romans 12 too. Where he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewal of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. We are transformed as we change the way we think. As our thinking is altered. As God's thoughts come into our brains, we're transformed and changed. As Paul said earlier, we're being renewed, we're being transformed as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus. When we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, then, as we saw last week, the life of Jesus is being manifested in our body. Though our outer self is wasting away, the life of Jesus is being manifested in our mortal flesh. Listen, only awe of God, breathtaking awe of God, Only beholding the beauty of the Lord has the power to decimate your awe of self. If you think you're great, if you think you're God's gift to the church, only awe of God has the power to break awe of self, awe of other people, awe of circumstances. And so being in awe of God and beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that and that alone will keep you from losing heart. Why? Because that is eternal. We think other things will keep us from losing heart, but 
they never last, do they? They can't last. Whatever good thing that brings you encouragement, when you lose it, you lose heart. Only awe of Jesus won't let you down because it is always there because it is eternal. His glory shining forth is eternal. And when that captures your awe, it will never let you down. Now, think about how humbling all of this is. This is miracle. We're talking about miracle. People say today, I want to see miracles. There's a miracle happening inside of you every single day, Christian. You're being renewed day by day. That is a miracle. We're wasting away outwardly, and yet inwardly, Paul says, we're being renewed. That's miracle. All that we contribute to the process is nothing. We don't even have to do anything to waste away, do we? It just happens. You wake up every day and your body is in a process of wasting away. Young people enjoy life, okay? Because when you get in your mid, mid to late 40s, you wake up sometimes and you're like, I don't know what happened to my knee in the middle of the night, but it hurts and I can't walk. All I did was go to sleep. And you wake up and you're like, why does my back hurt? Okay. Young people, even in your 30s, soak it up because the, the window is closing, okay? You don't have to do anything to have your body waste away. And when you get in your mid-40s and beyond, I'm sure you don't ever have to do anything at all. Your body is wasting away. And it probably just picks up more and more. Multiple pains. Knee out, back out. Why does my earlobe hurt? I don't know. Because you're 63. I don't know. You don't have to do anything to make it happen. It happens whether you want it to or not. You can blame Adam for that, by the way. You don't have to work to get wrinkles, do you? You don't have to work to start to sag. You don't have to work to lose your hearing. You're wasting away, and there is nothing you can do about it. Oh, sure, you can eat healthy, and you should, but you are going to waste away. You can exercise and you should. Eat more vegetables, and you should. Get plenty of sleep, and you should. You can even have plastic surgery, but you are going to waste away, and there's nothing you can do about it. As one of my favorite bands, Radiohead, sings in their song, Fake Plastic Trees, he used to do surgery for girls in the 80s, but gravity always wins. Gravity always wins. You can have all the surgeries you want, but gravity always wins. You can have all the surgeries you want, but you are being pulled down into the dirt from which you came. You are headed towards Genesis 3 dirt, and there is nothing that you can do about it. No matter how many surgeries you have, no matter how healthy you eat, no matter how much you work out, your body is on a slow descent downward back into Genesis 3 because gravity always wins. But, and this is big, even as this happens, you can be renewed inwardly day by day. And still, you can't take credit for that either. You can't take credit for the inner renewal that is happening as you waste away. The Holy Spirit is the one who is renewing you day by day. 
That's humbling. It's not us. We're not renewing ourselves. It's the Spirit. We do nothing to waste away and sag. We do nothing to be renewed on the inside. It's the Spirit doing it, and that is humbling. And it should cause you to be full of hope and not lose heart. The Spirit is always working inside your heart, even when you have seasons of dark despair. There is this inner miracle occurring moment by moment, day by day, even donut by donut. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. The Greek word, therefore, renewed, is in the indicative mood. That means it's a certainty, it's a fact. We are being renewed. That is a fact, it is a certainty. But it's also in the present tense, which means it is always happening in our life. But here's where it's humbling. Paul uses the passive form here. It's something that is always being done to us. It's a fact that we are being renewed, but it's passive. It's happening to us. The Holy Spirit is doing that work inside of us. We are not doing that work. It's all him. Even the wasting away is a... Uh, occurs in the passive too. We're just passively wasting away. And it's weird, but these things are happening simultaneously. We're wasting away, but we're being renewed inwardly day by day. And the great thing about all of this is that we don't have to twist God's arm to renew us. He is always willing to renew us. How could it be otherwise? He has saved us. He has redeemed us. Why would he not be working in our heart, renewing us and conforming us more and more to the image of his son, Jesus, every day? How could it be otherwise? The God that we serve does not save human beings and then just walk away and say, one day they're going to die and then I'll resurrect them. No, I save them and I start transforming them and renewing them day by day. Even when they have seasons of despair, I'm still renewing them on the inside. So, dear discouraged disciple, don't despair. God is at work in your life. Cheer up and focus on how great and glorious your God is. And whatever you do, don't forsake the very ordinary means of grace. There's the part we play in it. Keep reading your Bible. Put yourself in a position to receive from God through the very ordinary means of grace. Prayer, Bible reading, memorization, meditation, listening to it, coming to corporate worship, giving and serving. Put yourself in the the path of the ordinary means of God's grace. So keep reading your Bible. Even when you don't feel like it, keep feeding on truth. Keep praying even when you don't feel like it. Keep coming to church even when you don't feel like it. That's how you fight discouragement and despair. One of the greatest temptations that we face when we suffer and go through a season of darkness is we give up the good habits that we have. I understand that. When you're in the pit of despair, you're like, I don't want to pick up God's word and read it. Okay? Don't give up hearing God's word. In those times, I just do the audio Bible. Sometimes for me, it's just helpful to have an outside voice speaking God's word into my heart. It's hard for me to pick this up sometimes because of darkness and despair and sadness. So I listen to it being read to me. 
I've even had Heather before. It's like say, read Romans 8, 28 to me. She'll do it. This happened a few years ago. Read Romans 8, 28 to me. She did. Read it again. She did. Read it again. Like, I, I'm going to need to hear it again. Don't give up hearing God's word. You need it. It's how you change your thinking. It's how your mind gets renewed. Right? We're transformed by the renewal of our mind. It's hearing God, letting God's thoughts come into our brain and kicking out all of our thoughts. And sometimes when you suffer, you just have to sit down with your little heart and have a talk. You have to tell your little heart, heart, come here and sit down. We're going to have a talk today. Martin Lloyd-Jones said something about this. He said the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this. That we allow ourself to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. Am I trying to be deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, Why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God. Instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then, having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself and defy other people and defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man in Psalm 42, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance who is also the health of my countenance and my God. Isn't that good? You've got to talk to yourself. Listen, I don't care what your personality type is. Every single human being at some point gets discouraged. The question is, what do you do with your discouragement? Do you give in and focus on all the discouraging things? Or do you preach to yourself, preach to your heart, the glorious truths of your God? Talking to yourself is fighting the good fight of faith. And fighting is winning. If you're fighting in some way, if you fall down but get up and dust yourself and get right back at it, that's winning. Fighting is winning. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. In your parenting, in your marriage, in your evangelism as you share Jesus with others, in your praying for the lost, don't give up. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to lose heart and quit. And one of the reasons that we don't lose heart as we suffer is because uh, of something we we have now, we have something to offer to other sufferers. As we saw last week, Paul said in verse 15, for it is all for your sake, all of his suffering, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. 
Listen, don't let the paragraph divisions fool you. Paul is still talking about the nature of new covenant ministry. He's talking about his philosophy of ministry. God uses our suffering to bring good to others. Now, let me read verse 15 again, and I'm going to jump right in to verse 16. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we do not lose heart. See, one reason we don't lose heart as we suffer is because God is working through all that we suffer in order to bring more of His grace to other people, and then more thanksgiving rises up to the glory of God. And that's why we are handing out our Celebration of Grace booklet today. You can pick one of these up at either of the Welcome Centers. There's also a PDF available online. We are doing this because we want to give glory to God. We want Jesus and Jesus alone to receive glory for all that he did through his church last year. We don't want the glory. It's all him. And two... We want you to be encouraged. We don't want you to lose heart. If there was ever a year when a church could lose heart, it's been the last year, right? So one of the many ways that we can embody 2 Corinthians 4.16 as a church and help one another not lose heart is by reading through our Celebration of Grace booklet. So get a copy at either of the Welcome Centers and let your heart be encouraged as you read about all the ways that God has moved in and through this church family. As you read through this, you will be reminded that the Holy Spirit is with us in our ministries. I know there are negative people out there. The Spirit is working. He's been moving the last year. There's been a lot of mumbling and grumbling and complaining behind the scenes. Okay, It's been weary. It's been depressing. But man, when you read through this thing, you're like, holy cow, the Spirit was at work in grace the last year. Read it. We don't always perceive Him. We don't always perceive the ways that He is moving, especially after last year. But He's always moving because this is His church. How could it be otherwise that He doesn't work in and through His church? We are His people. So, of course, he was working last year. All last year, the Holy Spirit, no matter how dark things got, no matter how frustrated we got, no matter how in the dumps we may have been, the Holy Spirit was doing what he promised he would do in Philippians 1.6, where Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit was doing last year, Philippians 1.6. He was bringing to completion the good work that he started in this church corporately and what he started in each one of us individually. He was renewing us day by day, and we didn't even see it. He was doing it. And so everything that you read about in this booklet is evidence of the Lord's grace here at Grace. What we want to do with this booklet is help one another open our eyes to see all the miracles that were happening around us last year. We want to stoke the fires of your faith as you read this. Our mission here at Grace is that we exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere 
and in everything. And that's what we want to do with this booklet. Ignite a passion in you to glorify and enjoy God. And so we asked you to fill in the blank of this question, Jesus, or this statement, Jesus, I want to thank you for, and then we had people email in what they wanted to thank Jesus for. We hope this booklet will help you begin to see all the ways that people serve here at Grace and maybe even stir up in you a desire to serve in some area. We want you to show up at Grace each week and see people serving and think, wow, Jesus, you gifted that person to serve in that ministry. You gifted Paula and Michelle to minister to our children. Thank you, Lord. Or to see the worship band playing and pause and pray something like this. Jesus, how did we get blessed with such great musicians? Thank you for gifting Gina to be able to play the drums and the djembe and the congas and the bongos and the piano and the shakers and the bells. And thank you that Gina is able to sing harmonies as she plays the drums and the djembe and the congas and the bongos and the piano and the shakers and the bells. Listen, I don't think there's an instrument that Gina Laird cannot play. The only kind kind of instrument she can't play is one that has not been invented yet. And once it's invented, she will know how to play it. But showing up on Sunday and just saying, thank you, Jesus, for this person serving in that way. We want to be a church family that just stops frequently and looks around And just marvels at how God is working and just wonders and is overcome with awe so that we stop and we say something like, this is all you're doing, Jesus. This is just wave after wave after wave of grace upon grace here at Grace. We don't deserve it. And we don't want to take it for granted. Thank you, Jesus, for our elders, for our staff, for Awana, for our tech team, for our deacons, for all those who take the prayer list seriously. Thank you, Jesus, for all those who take the prayer list seriously. And for all those who serve in the background and never are but never want to be noticed. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? Doing that, pausing frequently and looking around and giving thanks to Jesus, that will help create a culture of expectancy for this coming year. I wonder what Jesus is going to do this year. Look at that. People are serving here. What's he going to do this year? And not only will it create a culture of expectancy, it will help us to not lose heart. There's so much negativity out there. You know that. Our world is full of despair. There is very little hope. It's depressing. But pausing and noticing what Jesus is doing and thanking him for it will help us to not lose heart. Let's look at verse 16 again. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Part of our inner self being renewed is that we are once again surprised by Jesus. We begin to see him as he really is and not our kind of low-level expectations of him. The boxes that we put him in when we're renewed day by day, the boxes that we put him in can no longer contain him. 
He's too big and glorious for our puny ideas and small expectations of him. He's far too glorious for all of our little puny ideas. This is my little idea about Jesus right here. And our small expectations. Well, I know you're going to forgive me of my sins, but I don't know if you're going to do anything else. He's too big for that. And so as we are renewed inwardly day by day, we find ourselves once again surprised and delighted at who he is and what he can do. And then that begins to burn away all of our low-level expectations of him. And it burns away all of our puny ideas of him. And this is good news. Being renewed inwardly keeps us from freaking out. It calms us. We rest and we learn to wait on the Lord again. And what happens when that happens? What happens when we get comfortable waiting on the Lord? Well, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That means you can be renewed today. Would you like that? God is willing to renew you. Of course, it takes waiting on the Lord. It requires repentance and a willingness to let the Holy Spirit point out your idols. I know, I know, that's no fun, is it? It's not fun to be exposed like that, and it's embarrassing. But if you're willing to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit about your heart idols, He will renew you. He won't endorse your idols. He won't endorse your sin or your excuses for why you sin. But if you humble yourself and you get low before him and you get real with the real Jesus, he will happily renew you. Alec Motier said, The truth of the love of Christ is the most central thing of all and the most gentle and potent force for renewal. The truth of the love of Christ is the most central thing of all and the most gentle and potent force for renewal. So if you want renewal, you have to look to the gospel. You have to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. By basking in God's love for you in Christ, a most gentle and potent force will come in and renew you. You will be renewed day by day by remembering and believing afresh that you are justified, not by what you do for God, but by what Jesus did on the cross for you, by beholding the glory of Christ. That's how you experience renewal. As you bask in God's love for you, renewal will come. As you bask in God's love for you, renewal will come. As you bask in God's love for you, Renewal will come. So, dear discouraged disciple, don't despair. Cheer up. Jesus never stops thinking of you. He's thinking of you right now. Cheer up. He is caring for you right now. Cheer up. He is feeling your sorrow right now. Cheer up. He is interceding for you right now. Cheer up. He is guiding this world, this universe, right down to the very atoms toward your eternal advantage. And he's doing it right now. 
And then finally, cheer up, Christian. You are forgiven. Let's pray. Jesus, when we are tempted to lose heart and harden our hearts and numb our hearts or even indulge our hearts, help us to see Jesus clearly. Help us to see the glories of the new heaven and the new earth and not just the brokenness of the first heaven and earth. May a vision of unseen eternal realities transcend and transform our vision of temporal heart wreckers and heartbreakers. May the endless triumph of heaven be more real to us than the momentary troubles of today. We ask in your name. Amen.